<clears throat> so I'm in, I'm going to look like I'm a really great preacher today because I'm not even going to look at notes, nothing like that. It's because I've been living in, by the way, that, that was a joke. I wasn't saying how awesome I am, you know. Um, but I've been living in this Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. That's a hint. Uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. It's a story of a really famous little guy named Zacchaeus. I've been living in this for like at least a year. I know the story off by heart. I could recite it to you in Greek, if I could speak Greek. And, um, and so I know everything about this story. That's how I feel about it, you know. So, and I wanna, I wanna, I'm hoping the Holy Spirit will help me to bring out what's relevant to this group of people here, you know. The end of chapter 18, Jesus arrives at the gates of um, Jericho. I told you I knew all about the story, right? I to, what city was he at? What city? So he arrives at the gates of Jericho, and there's a blind man sitting outside who's saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, and, he, and then Jesus does what Jesus does to a blind man. He says, what can I do for you? Well, wake up. Can't you see this is really obvious? He goes, I'd like to see. So he prays for him and he gets healed and then he walks into the city. And what today what I want to talk about is how to be a missionary in your own neighborhood. How to be a missionary without going overseas. How to be a missionary without any money. How to be a missionary with just Jesus on your side. And the first thing is, the thing that will get attention as, as you're being a missionary to your city, to your community, to your workplace, to your school, is supernatural things will go on if you make Jesus the Lord of your life. Several times in the New Testament, in the Gospels, it says where Jesus was in a place, it says the presence of the Lord, sorry, the Lord was present to heal. Jesus wants to do stuff. I'll go to this side because these guys look like they're awake. <laughs> Jesus wants to do stuff. <laughs> I'm going to Angela. <laughs> I need Donna Epps right now. <laughs> Jesus wants to do stuff. Finally, you woke up. So, I'm not a preacher, I'm a storyteller, so you've got to bear with that. You had Terry, the gifted communicator and teacher last week. Today, you get this. <laughs> Jesus is supernatural. He also said, and in John 14, verse 12, he said, hey, guess what? This has been amazing, this three and a half years, but you will do, speaking to the apostles and the church, you will do greater things than you've seen me do. What can be greater than seeing people come to faith out of darkness into light? What can be greater than breaking up a few crumbs of bread and a few fish, feeding 5,000 or more people? What can be greater of being woken up and being in the boat and being woken up in the middle of a storm and then speaking to nature and commanding nature? What can be greater than saying, roll the stone away, come out Lazarus. What can be greater than that? And he said, and I'll be honest, I don't understand this verse. I don't know the meaning of it or what it re is really saying. 
But if you just take it literally at face value, he's saying the church, which goes through the centuries, will do greater things than you've seen, you've seen me doing. So the first thing that opens up the gates of the city and opens up the life of this little man, remember Zacchaeus, a little man, he's rich and he's hated. He's little, he's rich, and he's hated. And the supernatural element, dynamic to Jesus' life, opens up the gates of the city, and stuff is going to happen because of supernatural things going on. The question I have today, don't feel condemned, but do feel convicted, F feel free. When was the last time supernatural things happened around your life? Have I got to come down there? When was the last time supernatural things happened around your life? Let me go back one step further just to help you out. When was the last time you prayed for supernatural things to happen around your life? In the last service, Wilfred looked bored at this point. Right now he's paying attention because he knows he's on trial today, right? When was the last time you prayed? When was the last time you desired? The Apostle Paul would write a few years later, desire spiritual gifts, like healings, like God being able to speak to you for somebody else. Let me tell you, I'm a Christian who believes in the supernatural. So, the other day, we married, Friday, we married a couple. The groom came on my heart nine years ago at 5.30 a.m. in the morning on a Saturday, and I hadn't seen him for 13 years, not thought about him for 13 years. And I did what all English people do. Before you pray, before you go to the bathroom, I was younger then, before you go to the bathroom, I made a cup of tea, I sat down, got my Bible out before I could read, this thought went through my mind. There was no angel, angelic music. There wasn't some like voice in the room. It was just a thought about him and a, a sense of impending doom. I hadn't got his phone number. I checked on Facebook. There he was. So I private messaged, messaged him at 5.30 a.m. And I said to him, Tim, we haven't spoken for years, but I've just woken up. I feel like something heavy is going on. Are you okay? A minute later, he texts back. He'd had some terrible, terrible news, and he was sitting in his car contemplating ending his life. By the way, you may never have stuff like this happen to you. You'll have your own miracles, your own weight. I'm not saying you should be like me. We all have different calls. I'm just saying supernatural things can happen. Yesterday, Friday, we married him to, to, the, to his, the dream of his life. That wouldn't have happened without supernatural things happening at the gates of the city. Supernatural things open the doors, and supernatural can be very natural. It doesn't have to be done in Elizabethan language. It doesn't have to be done in a voice that's not yours. It doesn't have to be done 
God has said it can be just really, really natural. Like you were talking to your, your children. Well, maybe not. Talking to friends. And so supernatural things open the doors. He goes into the city, and it says this little phrase. It said, he entered the gates, and he was passing through. Now, he's passing through because he's a few days away from getting to Jerusalem, and the most pivotal, in my belief, the most pivotal point in human history is going to be punished and crucified and be resurrected. He's going to go through that. It's the pivotal point. That would occupy my mind, and it's occupying his mind. He's passing through on his way to Jerusalem, and he knows what he's facing because he's told his disciples that very thing. And so he enters the city, but he's passing through. Here's the next thing. After supernatural things, if Jesus is present in your life, supernatural things will happen if you desire them. If you desire them. Wilfred, I said, if we desire them. Secondly, he pauses under a tree in this busy sense of impending doom that's coming to him, in this busyness with a crowd around him, all celebrating this guy getting healed, he pauses under a tree. And one of the things that stops supernatural things happening in your life, or God incidents in your life, is we are too busy. We're running. We're frantic. We have to rest in him. We have to be ruthless with our own diaries, our own calendar, whatever it is on your phone. We have to be ruthless and make time to slow down. I'm not even saying have a devotional life. That's like Christianity 101. I'm saying we have to find room to pause and allow God to speak in our daily lives. So most Christians pray for a word in this room here. And yet God has another bazillion hours in the week where he wants to speak. This should be not the only place where we hear from God. And he pauses under a tree, even though he's on, on his way to the most pivotal point in human history, the pivotal point. And he pauses under a tree because he knows. So this tree, this tree is a sycamore tree. It's the kind of tree, I'm not going to get into treeology here, like I'm an expert, you know. But this tree is thick. It's got fruit in it, figs, I think. And uh, it's, got, it's got this fruit in it. The fruit is useless. It's filled with bugs. It looks great. It looks fruitful, but it's worthless. A bit like his life. He's rich. He's got position. He's got power. But inside, he's, em he's empty. And he's hiding in this tree. And I don't know if this is a supernatural thing or not, but Jesus knows he's there calls him by his name. When people you haven't seen for a while remember your name, how do you feel? How do you feel when you read a scripture, when it says, the Lord called you by your name? Well, um, I know how I feel. I feel like this faith is very intimate, because he's call calling me by my name. As he, he knows all about me, and yet he still wants me. No matter about all the junk that's in here, and you can tell I've got junk, right? But despite all the junk, and my wife's here, so I have to tell the truth, unlike the first service while she was backsliding in Art Mart, he knows all about us, 
He knows all about us, and he still calls us by his name, by our name. Think about this. I don't believe for a second Jesus doesn't know he's little, he's rich, he's influential, and he's a pain in the neck because he's sided with the Romans and he's stealing from his own people and oppressing his own people. And everybody hates him. They call him a sinner, an outsider, and Jesus still calls him. So first of all, supernatural. Secondly, we have to pause. Thirdly, if we're not in relationship with people, they won't listen to us. Hello? If we're not in relationship with people, they will not listen to us. So just in case you don't know this, you know the rest of the world doesn't respect us. You know that, right? They have little time for the church. If we could brag, which we can't, if we could brag, the world would be in a mess without the church. I've been in, we've been in 44 countries. There are great Christians doing great things in each of those countries. But we can't defend ourselves because Jesus says, when they and some of the criticism we really, really deserve, right? But if people knew what Christians are doing, good Christians are doing around the world, they would love us. But the people with the nonsense get all the attention. So, supernatural, pausing, calling by his name, and then Jesus does something interesting. He takes advantage of the Jewish laws of hospitality. If somebody comes through your town and has nowhere to stay, you are obliged to let them stay in your house. You wash their feet, you feed them, you give them a bed. And Jesus says, uh, come down, it's time for me to come to your house to eat. So he invites himself. It says, I love this bit, it says, he came down gladly. In there, there is rejoicing. And guess what? We, we, had this, we have a situation in our neighborhood. There's like 60 or 70 homes in our neighborhood. We've been there seven years. We hardly know a name. Can you believe it? I don't know my neighbor's names. Because every time I'm with them, their body language is like this. Somebody must have told them, oh, he's a priest. So they think, oh, no, no, can't be hanging around with him. It's been really difficult in that neighborhood. And we were thinking, we're going to move. Just kick the sand off our shoes and just move on. You know, I was asking to do that, right? And then on my birthday, March the 15th, uh, the weather was a bit like this. And my son Johnny and his wife Vanessa and the three little grandchildren came round. And one of them said, can we sit outside? So we sit outside. Remember now, none of my neighbors want, want to know. And I'm sitting outside with the umbrella up in March, right? And uh, not for rain, but for the shield us from the sun. And uh, Judah, who says, my, he's the seven-year-old, he says, can we invite Zane? This is the kid next door. So we go and knock on the door at the front and then... Uh, um, Mum and Zane come across, they sit down, they have some cake, and we're chatting away, and I'm thinking, wow, a neighbor talking to us, this is, this is good. And then um, a lady, a Korean lady, comes round the corner with her son, and within a minute says to us, we've been here six months, and we're really lonely. Will you be our friends? We've been here six months, we're really lonely. Will you be our friends? In my my Anne responded, because I was speechless, right? And in my head, I'm thinking, Jesus, forgive me for being such a dummy. 
that you don't have people, I believed you didn't have people in this neighborhood that you weren't working on their hearts. And now we became friends. We did our little Sunday gathering in the gazebo at the top of the street, and we invited them, and they came and met our friends, and their view of Christians has totally changed, because we were actually nice to them. It was hospitality, and Jesus sits around the table with him, and I wish we knew what went on in that, in that house, because I would do exactly what Jesus did, right? That's why he doesn't tell us. And so something happened in that house around that meal table. A few things we know. Jewish laws of hospitality. Jesus was in there. The disciples were in there. Some of the entourage were in there. We know that the Pharisees would have invited themselves. And then the Zacchaeus knows he's obliged to allow the poor and the marginalized to come in and share with the food. I would imagine the smelly ones had to sit around the perimeter of the inside of the house. And the really smelly ones, the bikers, they had to sit around the outside of the house, right? And what has Jesus done here now? He's taken advantage of the laws of hospitality and he's brought community to an outsider. He's brought community to an outsider. Now, if I had three hours in here, I've only got two, right? So if I had three hours in here, that would take me down roads that would be very uncomfortable. But fortunately for you, I only have two hours. <laughs> Think of the people who are the outsiders or the people who are hated or despised in our nation Sorry, your nation. I'm not a citizen. I'm a visitor here still. So I can speak the truth to you in love, right? So imagine if I held up a picture now of Donald Trump. Is he welcome? If I held a picture up of Joe Biden, would you boo? If I held up a picture of Mother Teresa, would you cheer? If I held up a picture of Dave Reese, you go, out, 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 wouldn't you? So, who gets to decide who's welcome and who's not welcome? Hello? Wilfred, who gets to decide who's welcome and who's not welcome? Who decides that? God chooses who he saves. We choose who we make friends with. So, there they are. And you know something great's happened here. Imagine, you've been an outsider now, Jesus, I'm imagining this part, right? Like, they're all enjoying the food. They're all seeing Jesus and hearing Jesus talk to Zacchaeus. Something dynamic happens, so much so that when they come out, and I imagine Zacchaeus is holding hands with Jesus. That's how I imagine it. There's nothing in the Bible to reinforce that. I think they I imagine them holding hands. And Jesus comes out holding hands with this outsider, this outcast, this excommunicated Hebrew, and says, listen to the words. This is actually what he said. Here is a true son of Abraham. Imagine that. It's like you having an encounter with 
Sex offender number 3201 in Champaign-Urbana and the surrounding districts. And you bring him here, and everybody knows him because he's been on channel whatever news, local news, a few months ago. And you've had this same encounter Jesus has had with him. He's encountered Jesus, and you bring him out here around the communion table, and you go, here is a true believer. Some of us couldn't help, it, help ourselves. We'd boo. We'd think this is terrible. What's fire, Pastor Kevin? Well, first of all, you can't find me because I don't work here, right? But... <laughs> That's how Jesus celebrates the marginalized, the hated, the outsider. And he goes, here is a true son of Abraham. Now, something dynamic had happened for Jesus to say that. He'd come to faith. And we know something's happened. How do we know? Because he's been defrauding people like for like a long time. He's hated. And he could, in response to what Jesus says, listen to what happens. He goes... If I've defrauded or robbed anybody, I will pay back four times more. That's a repentant heart. So those of you who've been around church for a while, you know normally the wallet is the last place Jesus gets to, right? You know, he gets to their sins, but then this wallet thing can take a while. Immediately, the very thing that's been his idol is now dead. Think about the rich young ruler. Jesus says to him, go sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. He didn't quite make it, did he? Because this came first. But with Zacchaeus, I'll give it all up. And just, I wish the Bible would tell you what happened to Zacchaeus and people like him afterwards. But it's amazing. I want to finish with this story. There's a good hour in this story, right? But I know it's Father's Day, and I am merciful. But a couple of winters ago, I was giving out coats in this neighborhood, this poor uh, margin. Come in, you're welcome. Honestly, uh, this is Zacchaeus right here. And um, <laughs> it's Chris, actually. And um, so I'm driving around giving out these coats, mainly to mums with kids, you know? So I have this rule. I park on the opposite side of the road with the driver's side. So I'm, I'm all illegal now. I've got the, dr the driver's side on the opposite side of the car to where the mum is with the kids. And I put my hands up and I go, I don't mean you any harm, but do you need a coat? Because it's freezing. It's like 20 degrees or something. And they go, oh, do you have some? And I open the back up. I take, I take six steps back and I let them have a look at the coats. Well, I'd done all that, and then I was going to go home, and I see... Now, did I mention I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer? Did I mention that? I, I see this girl in, like, very brief shorts and a T-shirt standing on the corner. I thought, oh, man, that must, she must be freezing. So I go around the block, I come down the street, I get out of my car on the opposite side, I said, hey, I, I don't mean you any harm. She goes, what do you want? And she comes across the road and opens the passenger side door. Then it dawns on me where I am and what I'm doing. And I think, Anne will kill me. <laughs> so I go, oh, no, 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 no. Um, I've got something for you in the back. And I open the back up. I said, you look like you're cold. Would you like, would you like a coat? And she goes, oh, yeah. Uh, how much are they? I go, they're, they're free. People donated them. And they're nice coats. And so she starts looking through these coats. And she goes, can I take one for my sister? I said, yeah, sure. I'm thinking she's just going to take it and not give it to us, some sister. You know, I'm a, that's the cynical British person. 
And so she goes, oh, I have some friends up the street. Can I take some for them? And I go, yeah, if you want to. Yeah, I think she's going to take me for a ride here. And then she goes, she whistles up the street. Down the street come all these girls. And it really dawns on me where I am now. And all these girls come down and she says, he's giving away coats. And they went, oh, awesome. And none of them have got coats. So they're all around the back of the car. And um, then they said, do you have any children's coats? I said, yeah, there's lots here on this side. So they start taking, I said, do you have children? And they said, oh, yeah. I said, where do you guys live? They said, we live here. And they point to this house with no roof. No windows, living there with their children. It's hard work. That shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening. And um, so I'm standing there, and then one of them, we're all crowded around the back of the car. They've got me hemmed in now. So I'm all these girls pressing on me, trying to get coats, and I'm stuck. And then I hear the screeching, and one of them goes, oh no. He's here, he's here. And I look around and there's this big black SUV coming down the street at about 60 miles an hour. And uh, I go, uh, who's this? They said, it's the man, it's the man. And so I, he I, f I hear the car <clears throat> screech to a halt about a foot and a half behind my legs. So, you know, I don't always find prayer exciting. <laughs> but I did close my eyes that day. I prayed in my heavenly language, and then I prayed, Jesus, what shall I do? And I, honestly, a little voice in my head, that's all it was, look him in the eye. Well, okay. So I hear, I sense him behind me, and then I hear his deep voice go, who are you? And I turn around, literally like this, he's six feet five. Aren't I? And I said, I'm Kevin, who are you? He goes, I'm the man. I went, nice to meet you. What are you doing? I'm giving out coats to these girls. Oh. Then he says, so he's driving this big black SUV, right? And he says to me, do you have any boxer shorts? Do you have any socks? And I look at him, and I look at this black SUV up against my, the backs of my legs, and I go, I don't have anything for rich guys driving big black SUVs like that. And the girls said, oh, he's okay. He lives with us. So now I know he's not the man. So I go, yes, I do. So I gave him the bag with the boxer shorts in, new. Gave him, you'd be pleased about that, right? And then I gave him the sock, the bag with the socks, meaning Help yourself to a couple of pairs of boxes and a couple of pairs of socks. The bags went in the car, and he's six feet five. So he was blessed with 20 pairs of boxes and 20 pairs of socks, with no argument from me. <laughs> and then I, I'm like helping these girls with the coats, and he says, do you have a coat? I find this big leather coat. It must have been worth $600. And I got it. I said, try this on. It fit him like a glove. In that moment, I don't want to exaggerate this. I'm not embellishing the story to try and make you cry. Right? I'm not doing that. This is real. I put it on him. I saw tears in his eyes. One of the girls started crying. I said, 
I hope I'm not offending you, because it's hard giving things to poor people, right? I said, I hope I'm not hurting your feelings or offending you. She said, so I'm not bragging now, this is Jesus, right? She said to me, I don't remember the last time a man was this gentle with us. That's Jesus, right? I'm at the gates of this community, and God's doing supernatural things in the hearts of people who grew up in church, and now they're not. And then I hear bleepity, bleepity, bleep, and there was a guy about this big, jumping up and down, flashing his thing at me, his gun at me, like this, jumping up and down. And he goes, who are you? And I said, I'm Kevin, who are you? He goes, I'm the man. I thought you were the man. He goes, no, he's the man. And he tried to, and he said to me, get out of here, and flashes his gun at me. I go, actually, I'm going to leave when these girls and him have got everything they need. He went, well, just get out of here. And I never saw him ever again. And these girls are looking at me, and I know what they were thinking. They were thinking, are you mad? And if they'd have asked me, I would have said, no, I'm in love with Jesus. I'm a part of a church that cares about you. Jesus leaves a man behind with community, a faith, and a new position in life. God wants to use me and you. He doesn't want you to do what I do. So put that right out of your mind. He wants you to discover what Jesus wants you to do, and he wants to empower you to do it. I'm in the last 45 minutes now, and um, actually seconds, seconds, seconds. I want to just leave you with this thought. Jesus' last words were, all authority is given to me, to him, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, you guys, you go in that authority that I'm giving you, you go in that, make disciples. Help people to, be, to become followers by you modeling to them, teaching them, explaining to them, living life, the Jesus life in front of them. Go and do that and make disciples and go into all the world now. Go into, is the proper translation for that. Go into every people group. It's the word is, it's, it says, the, the English word is nations. That's not a good word to use for what Jesus is saying. He's saying, go into every people group. There are places where you can go that I can't go. They will listen to you, but they won't listen to me. <laughs> to be honest, that's not true in America. Everybody will talk to me because I've got a cute accent, right? And, um, but to be serious, there are places you can go that I, they won't listen to me. Everybody can't hear unless every one of us goes. Unless we are unleashed to God-breathed horizons. So notice what I haven't said today. Go be Kevin. I've said... Go be Jesus. Amen? The worship team's going to come back up. And wife, this is a good moment, right? Anne, this is a good moment here, isn't it? 
This would be a great time to pray. If it wasn't Father's Day, I'd do a two-hour prayer meeting right now, but it's Father's Day. We're going to go home. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. But let me just pray, then I'll hand back to the worship team. And Jesus, I thank you that you poured out your spirit before you went back to heaven. Oh, sorry, after you went back to heaven. You poured out your spirit. You made promises. You said, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. As you wait on me, you'll be filled. And thank you, Lord, that that filling means empowering. Empowering to live this kind of life that I've been talking about today. I thank you, Lord, for just people in here hearing from Jesus today. I thank you, Lord. Those who hear are going to obey in the name of Jesus, whether they're young, whether they're old, rich, poor, white, black, doesn't really matter. We're all called. Doesn't The educated are no more called than people like me who left school at 16. Jesus, you have a will, a purpose, a calling for each one of us. We believe that. So today, maybe you want to pray something like this with me. Lord, empower me. Lord, give me a brand new start. Lord, give me a fresh compassion for the hurting and the lost. Give me a generous heart. Help me to tread where I've feared to tread before. Help me to go to places with people that I never thought I could go. Give me understanding and revelation of what you want me to do in Jesus' name. If that prayer meant anything to you, just quietly say, Amen. I said quietly. Just say quietly, Amen. And then just lift up your heart to him now. I don't know what that means, but it means just incline towards him. Lean into him now as we finish this service. And Lord, let people have fun today. And then tomorrow morning, wake them up with a conviction in their heart that life can be different. Life can be fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen.